What's up, guys? Welcome to Coupler's Podcast with your host, Matt Trick and myself, Peter Fendura. Hope you guys are having a lovely evening. Hope you guys are staying safe out there. Check us out on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Anywhere we got a podcast, we're probably there. Give us a nice rating, five stars. If it ain't five stars, don't worry about it. Just put your phone down. You can check out the next episode and we give that one five stars. So how are you guys doing? What's up, Matt? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Another beautiful episode here. We got a special guest, actually. His name is Ben Ortas. He is a sergeant in the Army Reserves, works as a surgical tech there. He has worked as an EMT in ambulance for about one year and currently is a full-time ER technician and also a student at CSU East Bay. So shout out to those kids. How you doing today, Ben, man? I'm doing great, guys. How are you guys doing? It's uh, great to be here. It's my first podcast ever, so I'm very excited. We are getting all relaxed. It's his first time, so we're going to roll the shoulders a little bit there. PD looking a little bit tense, guys. Deep breath. Deep breath. Deep breath. We, we so, learned about deep breathing last episode. Namaste. So, you know. mm-hmm. Exactly. We had, a, we had a yoga instructor, like a, a meditation instructor, so we went really deep on um, like mindfulness and things like that. So definitely, like sometimes, great reminder to all you guys, you know, if you're sometimes using a deep breath when you're anxious or you kind of feel you're not breathing into your stomach in a way. So... Mm-hmm. Go ahead, man. I was going to say, you guys had a yoga instructor come to you guys as a, like work or something? No, no, no. We, we had her on the podcast last episode. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Well, that's, that's a good idea. I wish I had a yoga instructor come to my, my job. That'd be amazing. Yeah, that'd be really relieving for sure. So what's like something that you can um, consider having value from nursing school, nursing school that you like um, learned? Like what's like a piece of advice you would have for like nursing students right now? Um, definitely, uh, you gotta be pretty good with time management. So, um, that's definitely something I learned like in nursing school, especially like in my med search clinical is you gotta like be able to manage your time properly. Cause you have four or five patients and you gotta pass meds to all of them. Um, but also like, uh, when you're studying and you're managing all these projects, assignments, give all these quizzes, um, you have to be able to keep track of when all those assignments are due. Um, and because you have so much going on, uh, it's really important to be able to also balance everything. So you have to allow a certain amount of time to study and work on projects, but you also got to make some time for yourself and your family and friends and your, your self-care and stuff like that. So that's probably like the biggest thing that I gained from nursing school is just being able like to be like on point with your time. Uh, because I was always told before nursing school, like, oh, if you join nursing school, like you will have no social life. You're just going to be studying, studying, studying. And so I kind of took that as a grain of salt. I was like, you yeah, know, I don't know. I think, I think I can, I can get to nursing school and party a little bit too. And first semester I took uh, like 17 units. This is the most units I've ever taken in college before. And I still like went out with my friends. I went out with my family, like almost every weekend that I didn't have work and I still got straight A's. So, and now that like, I just like honed in on my, my grind during the week and then just like relaxed on the weekends. And because I work on weekends most, most of the time anyways, I really have no choice but to get everything done during the week. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of like that pushes a fire under my ass to like keep going, keep going, keep pushing, and then just focus on work or focus with like friends and family. Yeah, organizations are like a really big, big takeaway off nursing school because if you get your life organized and, and like your shit's together for the most part, like to begin with, you're going to be a better nurse because you're going to kind of have a better idea of how to structure and organize your, your like your shifts, like eight hour shifts or your of our shifts and like and even like, like your life like you'll have a schedule when you come out of work and then you just accomplish all those tasks or, or goals on that right. or that list so you've been through clinical right because i think you said you're three years in or four years in uh 
Yeah, so our, our program's two and a half years. So right now I'll be one and a half years in right now. So I've done psych clinical, med surge, and uh, maternity clinical. Okay, so you haven't done, so out of those ones, which ones are you leaning towards? Uh, <clears throat> I would say neither, because I definitely want to do ER, ER trauma. Uh, but surprisingly, uh, so I actually dreaded maternity. I was like, oh, like I'm a male. I'm not going to be like allowed in the room. How am I going to assess the areolas and like making sure the, the baby is like wrapping onto like the nipple. I was like, it's going to look kind of hard for me. <laughs> and the first week I just got rejected out of each room because the nurse would be like, oh, is it okay if the, this student nurse comes in and you know, watches the assessment? And then they're like, no, nah, it's okay. You can leave. And I'm like, oh man, like what? I'm not going to learn. And then after that week, then it, like, it got a lot better. I got like really good patients that were more comfortable with me. And like, you know, working in like the ER and working as an EMT, I'm, I'm pretty confident with patients. I'm not like awkward or like scared. I come in, I act like I know what I'm, what I'm talking about. And so we did like postpartum, labor and delivery, NICU. And labor and delivery is actually pretty dope. I actually liked it because it's kind of like the ER. It's kind of like, you know, it can be kind of slow and steady. And the next thing you know, the mom was like pushing out a baby and the head's popping already, like within a minute. And so, and there's a lot of blood too, which I love. I love seeing like, like blood, bones and all that gory stuff. So um, when the baby's coming out, like naturally, vaginally, it's crazy how much fluid comes out of that mom. Yeah. And so... I thought it was a great experience because like another cool thing about it is that you have two patients. It's not just one. So as a nurse or midwife or OB physician, like you got two people to worry about. And so that kind of makes things a little bit more interesting and gets me like really on your toes and like on point and be able to look out for like kind of red flags while the mom is in labor. So I actually really enjoyed labor and delivery. It's probably like my most favorite clinical so far. Yeah. I've been labor and delivery for me like, the hospital that I was doing clinicals at for labor and delivery it had a lot of Middle Eastern women, so I didn't get to see a lot of like live oh, vaginal births. Yeah. Like if you if you would ask me like how to do like a C-section, I could probably tell you that better than actual like a lot live vaginal birth because during C-section you could like sneak me in on the side without you know the the lady right. without being yeah. rude, you know. So I, that, was, that was pretty cool. But vaginal births, I maybe saw like two, but C-section I saw like at least six. My teacher would always like call me he's like, hey, just hop in there real quick and just. Go talk, you know, and just pretend like, <laughs> tell, pretend like not be there. And I was like, all right, for sure, I'm down. You know, that was pretty cool. Just pretending like you're like joint commission, just doing mm -hmm. a survey or something like that. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm actually jealous because I've never seen one. It just never, you know, happened. Um, I just never got fortunate. So I have a bad experience. Plus, I had a baby just kind of like pee on me and poop in a way. Oh, I was trying God. to change a diaper, man. Interesting experience. But you you're, you're saying you're leaning towards like being like a e, like an ER nurse or something. So and you're also like in the army. So can you tell us a little bit about about that? Like, did you get into nursing because of like the army or like how did you start your journey with like the military and everything else? Yeah. So uh, when uh, I graduated high school, um, I was volunteering at the fire department because I wanted to be a firefighter at the time. And so to become a firefighter, one of the stepping stones is to uh, get your EMT certificate. And so while I was in EMT school, I, um, uh, my instructor, he was like, you know, Ben, like, like you know your stuff really well. Like, I, I think you should go, go to college. And I was like, okay, that's kind of random. Um, hmm. And I threw my 911 ride along and I was with an EMT and paramedic. And they're like in their 30s, and, but they had like a pretty good like life experience. And so um, I was hearing them out and they were like, yeah, we both have our degrees. And if we can go back in time, we would have done nursing. And I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. 
And so I think after that, and then also my mom, like always yapping at me to get my degree, I decided to uh, pursue nursing. Um, and then uh, also after high school, I did one year of college and I was doing fire classes as well. And then for some reason, I decided to join the military. Um, and it wasn't nursing at the time. And I was like, I want to be a combat medic because I was like, that's more related to fire because fire does a lot of medical calls. And so when I applied or not applied, but like when I went to go sign my contract, they're like, I was like, I want to be a combat medic. And the, the sergeant there, he's like, all right, let's, let's see if we can get that for you. It wasn't open. So he was like, uh, what about LVN? And then I was like, nah, I don't want to be a nurse. And then I was like, what else you got? And then he was like, what about OR specialist? And I was like, well, what's that? So he explains it. He's like, oh, you're basically like a surgeon's assistant. You set up the room and you help do surgeries. I'm like, oh, that's some, that's some Grey's Anatomy shit right there. That's pretty dope. So I was like, sign me up. So I do that. I come back, still kind of pursuing fire, but I wasn't really, really digging it. Um, and then especially after going to EMT school, I was like, I don't care about fires. I like, like medicine is like my calling. Like I love that stuff. Um, and then I worked on an ambulance for about a year. And that even like solidified it even more. I was like, yeah, this is for sure. Like my passion right here. All I want to do is just help people out. And like, it's literally like that simple, that basic, like, I just want to help people. And so I figured nursing would be a great way to um, increase my education level as well as enhance my scope of practice and be able to perform a little bit more challenging skills, uh, do more critical thinking. Because as an EMT, your scope of practice, especially in California, is very limited. You have so many, so much that you can do. And so I knew working as a nurse, I can definitely expand on that skill set. Um, especially if I did nursing in the military, they, they cross train you to do so much, especially if you get deployed. So I figured that I'd probably get some really good solid experience if I uh, pursued nursing and eventually down the road in the military too. Yeah, that's cool, man. I've like, I feel like a lot of people from the military, the Marines, like the air force or, or Navy, they actually make really good nurses because my buddies, he's, he, he's a Marine and he's a nurse. And like this guy is very thorough, very accurate. One of the smartest guys, one of the smartest uh, like nurses on the unit, if not even in the hospital. And but this guy could be a goof sometimes. Like like one day, like he's super smart and everything. And I, I come to him with my questions and, and like for advice. But this dude one day spent spent uh, like his his shift drawing blueprints because he didn't like how one thing looked on the unit. And the next morning, I see him walking with with PVC pipes from Home Depot, dude. What? He's, just, he's building shit on the unit to like to like benefit the unit, dude. The funniest thing in the world, man. Like. He's carrying a little, like, like eight, six foot PVC, piece of PVC pipe, dude. Like imagine they walking that into work. So funny, dude. It was a good, but I think army people, people in general from the military, any kind of wing or, or branch of it, do they make really good news? Because you guys are very thorough, very accurate. You guys are just straight business, man. And we need just like more, yeah, like military dumb nurses, dude. Yeah. So especially if you're like, you're downrange or overseas, like you have limited staff, you have limited supplies and you're working under a tent and you're getting hit with like mortars and artillery. Teamwork. Um, yeah, exactly. So if you, I think if you can really like excel and take care of patients in those situations that are super intense, super tough, and like very high stress, and you come over here into a nice facility, you're not under attack. You have more resources, more staff. It just makes it seem like, oh, if I can handle that, I can do this and like, knock it out. So that kind of almost, I wanted to ask a question about after getting out of the reserves and having that experience as a army sergeant, correct? Mm -hmm. What is, um, what's something that, that you learned that brought you back that to your regular lifestyle currently? Like what are the traits or values or what's, what's an experience that really shaped you to who you are like today? 
<clears throat> I would say like uh, the work ethic that allowed uh, me to like get to uh, the military definitely shaped that. And uh, that's one of like the biggest things I got in the military is just like my mindset. And I realized how powerful your mind is um, and like how much it can tell you this, like stop, don't do this anymore. Or you could like tell her to shut up and like keep pushing forward and like, you know, achieve whatever you want to achieve. And uh, I think I, I had like that, I crossed that threshold when I was in boot camp. Uh, we were in the field for like four days, um, four nights. And on the fourth night, we did a live fire training exercise where you low crawl on some dirt and they're shooting uh, above your head. It's like well above your head. So if you stood up, you probably still want to get shot. But um, it's just simulate like a combat situation. And then after that, we did a 10-mile uh, ruck march. And at that point, I was up for like 24 hours. And I was exhausted. And during that ruck march, like probably halfway through, I was like, man, like my feet hurt. I'm literally so sleepy. Like I've never been so sleep deprived in my life until I went into the military. And there's like, I had thoughts of like, man, because there was a, a van following all the soldiers. And I was like, man, I just want to fall back and like just sit in that van. Because like that sounds so nice right now. And I was just so exhausted, so tired. And I wanted to give up. Um, but I saw everyone else around me still going. So I was like, why should I, why should I quit right now? And so I kept going, I kept going, I finished. And that's when I knew like, you can really push your body and push your mind. Um, and so I took that mentality with me. And when I did like my prereqs in college, every, every classmate was always freaking out. Oh my God, there's so much to study. There's so much to know. Anatomy is hard. Physio is hard. And in my head going through like what I did in the military, I just applied that into a like college work and I'm like oh this is this is too easy like just study the body parts like whatever I can knock that out um you go into nursing school they give you all these like uh things to study for like pathophysiology pharmacology pretty heavy dense and like high in content but like like I said going through what I went through in the military I was like this is just too easy this is just another another challenge and it's only making me better and so I just grinded out and so that's the biggest thing and I think I definitely see a lack of um, in general, uh, like my coworkers, uh, my family, it's like a lack of work ethic. And like, you know, it's kind of like, like bad vibes to me. If someone's not like, kind of like, get like go, go getter. Mm. And so, and I try to like, you know, Im implement that stuff into everyone around me kind of like motivate them, inspire them, um, and have that, that positive influence. Cause I think it's the best thing ever is just having a great work ethic. And if you have a great work ethic, you can, you can seriously accomplish anything. That's true, man. Like, that's why I, I love you guys for the military so much because you guys are like so on point, so on task that your rooms are organized. Everything is, is the way it's supposed to be. Um, like all the tasks are, are done. You give guys, give reports. You're like you're, you're so thorough. And that's why like, it's just perfect if you come up from the military to go to, to nursing because that's, that's awesome, man. Like your work ethic is, is pretty insane. You're, you're, I feel like you're going to reach David the Goggins kind of, <laughs> kind of goals pretty soon. Maybe give, give you a few years, but you get there, man. I don't know if I can run like 40 miles for fun. Yeah. With but, broken shins, man. But yeah. Yeah. That guy's crazy. It's, it's, it's so like the people that are like not in the military, you know, like what's like a piece of advice to give them to tell them like, how do you develop like work ethic? You know, like that's, that's interesting because especially our generation, you know, you're in your twenties as well. It's like, we are known as the millennials and we're the lazy. We're the ones that are privileged, like all this like bad vibe, you know, across that we're this generation. Like what's like, how do you develop that work ethic, man? That's my curiosity. So I, I've, I posted about this quite a bit on like my, my nursing page on Instagram. And I always tell people and like uh, pre-nursing students or students that are, are incoming into our program 
So I say like, you know, first things first, you got, you got to be able to be good with time management and then be able to be organized. So use a planner, have a calendar, something like that, just to keep track of everything. And then you want to be able to um, kind of like, like take out like the negative thoughts. Cause you, you're like everywhere you look in the news, radio, you can hear negative stuff. And so it's, it's good to like just block that out. Cause like you don't want those extra negative thoughts in your head trying to like pull you down. Um, another thing is just keeping yourself accountable. So the way I do that is writing a to-do list. And I think a to-do list is like the best thing ever. Cause even in the military, I always have a notepad in my pocket and I write down anything I need to get done. And that's great because uh, it reminds you what needs to get done. Um, and also if let's say you're busy with something and if something slips your mind, you just refer to your list. And, oh yeah, I gotta get this. Um, and I think like also developing really good habits and it could be like the smallest thing, like setting a vitamin uh, bottle on your counter every morning, just taking one, like one, one a day for men or whatever, or fish oils, just something. And then put up another like habitual task, like uh, putting your running shoes in front of your front door. So that way it triggers you like, okay, I should go for a walk or I should go for a run. Um, so I read this book, it's called Atomic Habits by James Clare. And he talks about that. And I think you have like this like chain effect of like positive habits and like tasks that you do every day. It kind of starts shaping your mind into like, okay, I shouldn't eat that cheeseburger from McDonald's. I should just make my, my ground turkey or something like that. Um, so I think those are like definitely like the stuff that I, I tell my, uh, my friends or uh, pre-nursing students or people who aren't military, like how do I develop this work ethic? Um, and those are just the things that I do to just keep myself accountable. So in the last two months, let's just say two weeks, whatever the time from you want to use, what are some ways that you develop like habitual, like um, habits, where have you placed your shoes or what have you put next to your bed to give you these reminders to stay in a work ethic? Like, you know, that hustler mentality. Yeah. So I would say just recently, actually, uh, probably about a month ago, uh, I was kind of like, uh, so I, I also journal sometimes, but I wasn't journaling enough. I felt like, and I've been like the book I just finished, uh, how to influence, you know, people like it took me forever to finish that book. And so recently I just like on my desk, cause I usually I wake up, I drink my coffee and I sit at my desk. And so what I did was I put my journal and my book, whatever book I'm going to read on my desk. So that's the first thing I do is like, I drink my coffee and while I'm drinking my coffee, I'll journal and then I'll read my book. Um, and then I also have my to-do list on my desk and I, I write my to-do list the night before. So I start thinking about, okay, what I need to get done tomorrow. So when I wake up in the morning, I know what needs to get like accomplished versus kind of like wasting time that day trying to figure out what I need to get done. Another thing I do is I write down a list of daily activities. Uh, so in my daily activities, it's like to like read something nursing related, uh, do a hundred sit-ups, uh, take my daily vitamins and I hang it up on my wall. And so every time I wake up, I see that. And it's like, every time I'm in my room, I see that list. So it's like forcing me, Hey, don't forget to do one of these things, you know? Um, and then like for my vitamins, I always put on my top of my counter. So every morning after I eat breakfast, boom, just slap those in and boom, knock that out. Yeah. Same. And, it's very, it's very similar to like what you do. Cause with the whole vitamins, I have it on my nightstand and I take the vitamins, yeah. but I, I, I eat the gummies cause they're, they taste better. But like with the whole, like planning your day ahead, I do the same exact thing. Like every day before I go to bed, I plan out three goals that I set for myself for the next day. I usually like meditate on it and I write it on the whiteboard. So when I wake up, the first thing I see is just 
those three things that I plan to do. And that's how I, how I start my day with, with those three things. And it's crazy because like, like you, you visualize your goals. So you actually see firsthand that you're like completing them. Like when you make a list of tasks, you yeah. get the luxury and, and a good feeling of crossing it off your list. Like, damn, like now I have eight tasks. You know, yeah. I have six more left. Well, like one more to go. And that's, dude, it just feels so good. This makes you a little more happier. Yeah. I honestly love where this episode's going. We're just like, we just decided to talk about freaking work ethic. You know what I mean? Like, Hell yeah, that's what I'm and, talking and, about. And for, for like listeners, like this is like not even scripted. This is just like, boom, this is the episode. We're just talking about work ethic. And that's why you guys are listening, right? But anyways, like actually, so today, technically, because I worked last night or tonight or yeah, last night. So I noticed that I had such a fucking awesome routine in San Diego because I was so like because I'm traveling or sync every three months I get to completely change my lifestyle. It's such a freaking awesome perk. You should definitely travel nurse in the future. I'm getting Peter on board. But anyways, like my morning routine was sauce. I woke up, no phone for 45 minutes, stretched, went to go for a walk. I picked up my um, reverse osmosis water, picked up a gallon every single day in the morning, came home wrote down what I had to do, started my day. Then I picked up my phone and I was consistent as hell. And damn, that felt good. Came out here and I'm just like on top of this whole COVID thing, bro, completely disorganized. Sometimes I'm busy when I'm, when I'm doing things, but I'm not productive. And dude, it's like, even like cell phone, like, you know, you're, you're doing one thing, then you swipe up to another app. You're like, Oh shit, I got to do that. And you just have this anxious mind that's rolling through the day. You feel like you're getting a lot of shit done, but you ain't getting anything done because you're just te- busy, not productive. So anyways, um, I started writing things down like on a notebook and I'm like, damn, this feels so good. So I had some downtime from like 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. I was taking notes down. I deleted like my reminders on my um, Apple app mm-hmm. and I'm just going to have like every idea that's I'm not note taking on my uh, notebook, I'm going to set it into my reminders and I'm going to have like a to-do list uh, daily. I have a to-do list for like just straight reminders throughout my week. I have a straight up grocery list. If I run out of something, I'll type it in that same time it's happening. Just so I don't forget. I don't have those regrets. Like, Oh, I'm at the store and I forgot freaking ketchup type of thing. Yeah. So it's, it's, and it may, it makes your day easier because people get overwhelmed from doing like a lot of things, if you just wrote it down and you had a system in place, it's all about systems, right? Success yeah. is having systems, just like example, like even running this like uh, podcast, right? Like we had to get systems in place to stay organized, to have enough time to invite you over and things like that. If we didn't have systems in place, we'd be every day trying to figure out what to do that day. And it just would be busy work. Yeah. I do the exact same thing. Like if let's say, uh, I'm like getting gas. And then all of a sudden I remember I need to get shampoo. I write that down right away on my reminders app too. And I just found out about the reminders app maybe like six months ago. And I've had an iPhone for years. And I was like, man, where has this been all my life? Because it's like so clutch. It's so have you Do you use a calendar on your phone? I actually don't. But I heard in one of your podcasts, you use Google Calendar. I was like, Dude, man, I need to get on that. It's my business. I use my notes, Google Calendar, and um, reminders, and I also tell my Alexa too. So like Alexa at nine p.m. and in the morning always tells me to to take my vitamins in case I forget. That's like, I, have this, I got this shit down to like a T, dude. Like reminders on point, schedule on point, everything is on point. You know, straight business yeah. around here. Is is all your like reminder stuff like uh, like online or is it any, anything like paper? Because I'm still old, uh, school. I still use paper. So, when I used to, when the, when the gyms were open back in the day, I had a, 
I like to write down my workouts and the weight. I like a little notebook, like a little small notebooks. And I'll yeah. carry that around with me all the time. I, I prefer doing that than the phone. Um, if I'm like, you know, writing different topics, I also, or like journaling, I prefer doing on paper as well. Um, if I, but like planning my days and tasks, I do whiteboard and then my schedule on my phone. But for like, if I'm doing research, if I'm doing like looking at some stocks, counting some numbers, I like to write on paper. Heck yeah. I'm a huge proponent of um, Apple Notes. I use that for everything. So even like, for example, I'm on, I'm travel nursing right now. I treat this like a financial trip. So on my, on my Apple section, this is under finance. And I write down everything I purchase week in, week out, and how much I'm getting paid. And I know what my profit margin is every single week on my contract. And if, I, you know, if let's just say I'm going on dates or I'm spending money on food, I'm doing whatever. Hey, Matt, next week, you better cut it a little bit. And I'm structured to the T where, hey, I'm, con- up, I'm coming up like net positive, like let's just say 5K profit a contract or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's just these little systems, guys. And I have it for... So what I was saying, notes, even working out, like just like you said, back in the day, the gyms are freaking closed. Back in the back, Yeah, I had literally everything structured. Every single workout was just on my, you know, tables. I knew what I was hitting. And just like people that are like, oh, I'm not gaining muscle, you know, like even for the women, like, hey, my butt's not growing. So the, you have to be consistent. Progressive overload grows your muscle because it strains it, right? So you have to come into the gym and be like, okay, I squatted. Um, 145 for 10 next next week let's just say you add more weight do it to eight and then do eight 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 till you get 10 then add the weight and people don't realize that the key to just growing muscles like progressive overload yeah 100 percent. there is a good i think the same book i was talking about earlier atomic habits they're saying if you want to uh save more money you have to write down everything you spend your money on and if you want to track what you eat you have to write down everything that you put in your mouth if you want to lose weight or if you want to, um, I don't know, save money for, let's say, a trip, you got to do the same thing. So writing down everything that you're trying to accomplish has significant outcomes for the better. But, you know, there's like this stigma of like, oh, that's too much work. I'm too lazy to do it. I don't want to do it. And so every time at the gym and I see someone with like their composition book writing down their notes, I'm like, okay, that, that dude's grinding right there. I'm like, he, he knows what's up. Um, I don't do that because I, I, you know, I'm not too much of a fitness guy. Like I don't have any goals. I just, I just go. Um, but I have a, I have a uh, run tracking app and that thing's super dope because it really tracks everything for you. Like you don't even think you just have to press go and stop. And I'll show you all your like analytical data. every run like, all right, you've done like 20 miles this month, uh, averaging like six minutes a mile or something like that. So it's pretty dope. Cause like that helps me track. Okay. If I ran eight yesterday, let's, let's go for 10 today. You know, I'm trying to like slowly increment the runs. Right. Yeah, me and Matt actually have the Whoop band. I'm not sure if you've heard about it, but it what's it called? Like a Whoop, Whoop, W H O O P. A Whoop band. And monitor, it monitors your heart uh, rate variability. Matt knows more about this than me. I just do it to compare, to compare my stats to Matt so I can make sure, so I, so I know that I'm doing better than him. <laughs> but, but he can explain <laughs> the, the whole process for you. Uh, I wanted to ask a different question, but that's okay. So, Quick, quick rundown of who basically checks your um, HRV, your rest, your strain, how much you're exerting yourself, and it's able to tell you every single day your recovery rate. What is the optimal amount of exercise that you could do without getting injured? And it tells you your sleep habits, like how much you're getting into the four stages, anything else that you need for your body to like have optimal rest. And it's crazy because if you're in like fight or flight, 
your heart rate variability shrinkens. And it's, it's, it's a measurement between the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. Really cool. I think you should you know, definitely check it out. And if you do, we got you on like a little um, discount link to get a month free. Damn. So whenever you're not, whenever you're not like hustling or into like, you know, cause you're human, you're not a robot, right? Unless you're David Goggins, what is like ways that you do that you unwind in like your free time? Like, what do you do outside of, you know, being freaking um, Ben, the freaking, you know, the work ethic dude. And you know, the student nurse and the ER tech, like how do you unwind when you're unplugging from like everything else? Yeah. 6 PM Saturday night, you're off, you're off for the weekend. What are you doing? Off for the weekend? <clears throat> well, uh, out. If it's like a weekend, <laughs> then I'll like uh, see if my roommates want to grab some drinks or I'll hit my brother. My brother's really fun to drink with. Uh, and, and he's a cop and, you know, he, he has a lot of cop friends. And when you drink with them, it's like a freaking frat times 10. Like they, they, they go hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, man, these guys enforce the law. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like they, they, they're insane. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one way. Like just like, you know, have like, like socially drink with my, my friends and family. Um, I do enjoy that. Um, also like, uh, I volunteer at a food bank and even though some people think like, oh, that's more work. It's actually like my way to like mentally decompress because it involves no thinking. And like, you're like, it's only like a group of like maybe 10, no one really talks to each other. So it's kind of nice to like play your music. And I don't know, it's kind of, you do, you do like monotonous stuff like bag fruits or like box canned foods. And so it helps the community out and it helps me like mentally decompress because like nursing school is stressful. Uh, school can be, or uh, work can be stressful sometimes if you deal with like a young, young patient dying or something like that. Um, so that's like one way that really like freaking like mentally decompresses me for some reason. I don't know why, but um, that's great. Um, also Netflixing. I, I really enjoy Netflix and like, like Parks and Rec in the office, like top two shows, like they make me laugh so much. Um, Family Guy's another great one. Um, going to the gym too. That's a great way. Specifically running. Running is like, I go into like, autopilot when i run like my body won't hurt my but my mind will just just wander off and i'll just like run for like 30 minutes to an hour and not even like know it that's and awesome so, yeah so those are some of the th- things that i do i'm trying to think if there's anything else do any kind of like yoga meditation anything like that yeah so i actually did um i got a group on for yoga for a month this is probably like a year or two ago because i wanted to start doing yoga but i didn't know how to do it so i was like you know i'll do i'll do a month uh, and I did, for, it was like hella cheap, like 20 bucks, unlimited classes. So I probably went in like that 30 days. I probably went like 45 times or something like that. Cause I wanted to, you know, absorb as much information as possible. And so, uh, I got a yoga mat and then after my month subscription ended, I started doing yoga at home too. And, um, uh, I tried doing like some, like I go on Spotify and go play some like yoga playlist but like they all kind of like suck. So I just like turn the music off and um, start doing my little like dragon warrior pose up in this, up in my room and stuff. Um, and so that's a really good way. And, and like yoga was actually like pretty life changing for me. Like how you, you guys mentioned like controlling your breathing. Uh, and like I have trouble with like breathing with my diaphragm, like it's hard. And in the military, when they tell you to yell, you're supposed to yell with your diaphragm, not your throat. Cause then you like, you lose your voice. So that's when that's my first exposure of like, wow, I'm not using my diaphragm right. And uh, when I was doing my yoga classes, the yoga instructor was like, breathe with your diaphragm and bring your belly butts into your spine. I was like, how the hell do you do this shit? Like, this is hard. And I remember I went up to her after class. I'm like, like I don't know what you mean by bring my belly button to my spine. And she explained it, and I was like, okay. And then I kind of got better at it. 
And then when I worked out for the first time after doing yoga, like you, like you really focus in on like all the muscles that are contracting. And I thought that was like amazing feeling. Cause I was like, wow, like you're really controlling every muscle that you are contracting right now. And you're focusing on it, not just doing lat pull downs and just like swinging that shit around, but you're really focused on getting those proper body mechanics going. Um, and so, and then like, like every yoga class is like a way to like decompress, stay grounded. Um, and like breathe out all like that stress and, all that negative thoughts that you have. Um, and so that's another, for sure, another, and it's also, it's actually doing yoga is on my daily activities list. So I do it daily. Yeah. Same. Cause, um, our friend Stephanie took me and Matt to, to our first yoga class, like a few years ago. And, and yeah, like it's been life changing ever since. Like I have a little routine that I do too, that I incorporate with like yoga and some stretching. And it's just like, you, like, you feel good. Like you feel like you can get more oxygen in your, in your system. You're not yeah. so much just, just grunting and moaning because you're lifting weight. It's more of like, you're being more in tune with your body and just like stretching out muscles you didn't even know you, you had. And you kind of notice like, you notice different things about yourself. Like, you know, you have more balance on your left foot compared to your right foot. Like it's easier to touch your left toe than your right toe. And then you could kind of slowly work on it. Like, and then you build those like even body mechanics where it's all like symmetrical and just cool right. stuff. It's fun. During your dog pose, huh? Yeah, during your <laughs> dog pose. So when you mention working out, I think it's definitely a game changer and it separates like a beginner to a novice when they understand the mind body connection of taking a breath in and doing a proper like rep and focusing on the mind body muscle connection and everything else. So question to you is what's like something that you noticed in the ER or during like an army reserve? Do you have like a crazy story to tell that you noticed as an ER tech, for example, or EMT? Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, I would say like, uh, so the hospital I work at, is like a small uh, community hospital, like we're a STEMI and stroke center, but not a trauma center. Um, but we get, you know, like people coming in from work with like lacerations and stuff like that. So you get that kind of trauma, but it's not a trauma activated patient. Uh, but we had this one patient uh, come in and he got dropped off by someone and he had multiple stab wounds. This is my first time seeing stab wounds before. And I got so juiced. I was like, hell yeah, let's freaking go. And there was already a paramedic outside who just dropped off a patient. So he came in and was like, yo, we got stabbing. I'm like, hell yeah, let's freaking go. And so we get him in the wheelchair, get him into our, like our, our code room and we start working on him. And like, it was just such a cool experience, like seeing that stuff. Cause like we never get that. And so I was like super pumped up. Um, but uh, I do have a pretty uh, disgusting story to tell you guys. And I think you guys would enjoy it. Sure. I had a patient who was a, a, a homeless guy and he had like all the bugs that you can think of in the world and i don't know about you guys but i'm not afraid of like dealing with patients who have like MRSA or c diff vre whatever but bugs really get to me and so he, he was kind of a regular so the first time he came we put a little like buffon hat and you could legit see the lice crawling all over the buffon like it was like they were eating really well they like they were getting fed <laughs> good to put it man it was like a five course meal for them every night. And so he comes back maybe like a month or two later. And I was like, oh crap, it's that guy with the lice. So I was like, I don't want to deal with him. And we had three techs on duty that, that day. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to stay on the other side of the ER and hopefully they won't like call me to do anything like disgusting, you know, like take his bottles or like anything like that. And so I, I could tell like the other two techs were kind of avoiding that area, but one of them did the bottles. I'm like, all right, I'm doing a good start. And two hours later, I was like, I was literally thinking to myself, like, man, I haven't, I haven't been out of the room yet. Like, it's, it's going pretty well. 
And then next thing you know, I get up from my chair, I turn around and it's my charge nurse with packs of baby wipes, uh, shampoo cap and like towels and a razor. And then she's like, I need you to clean this guy. And I was like, and I'm not, I'm not one to complain. So I'm like, you know, I'll I'll do it for you. I got you. So I dressed up in this whole bunny suit because I was like, I'm not bringing any bugs home. F that. I'm not doing that. So I got one of those like EVS house bunny suits to clean. I put sterile gloves on because they can go farther up the wrist, not those like the, the medical ones, like full on, like everything. Like I, it was like, I was more prepared for this patient than COVID patients. I was, I was ready for battle. <laughs> and I go in the room and do, oh my God, like the bugs were just massive on this guy. And as I'm shaving his hair off, they're flying everywhere off the clippers. I'm like, dude, this is so nasty. And like, I had to shave every bit of hair off this guy's body. It was like, there was nests in his beard, down in his like pub area, belly button, oh, everywhere. I was never so grossed out. And then my nurse, the nurse, the primary nurse that was in charge of that patient, he, he gave me some like boba milk tea. So that was pretty nice. That's a little <laughs> thank you gift. There you go. Respect. Yeah. I, I think like once you see bugs, it does freak you out. I had a lady that was homeless and we brought her in. Um, she had wounds. And as soon as we put hydrogen peroxide water on those wounds, maggots started literally coming oh, out of her yeah. skin. And then you have to take the clippers and uh, pick the maggots away out of the freaking the wound. It is yeah. the nastiest thing ever. That is where I had to hold my stomach in because I felt like I was going to freaking throw up. That was maggots. I can't do that, man. That's, I, that's I nasty. Can, I, can do maggots. I, I had a patient, he was homeless too. And like, I took his socks off and like maggots are crawling out. Like you didn't even need hydrogen peroxide. They were just crawling out. But I was like, oh, this is, this is like the first time I've seen this stuff. It's pretty cool. But like lice or scabies or uh, crabs, I don't, I don't mess with that stuff. That stuff is disgusting. No, that's nasty. I haven't come around a patient with like any kind of uh, parasites or insects like that. But Looks so like I can't, really, live. I can't really my thoughts. I'd, and if, if that's life, I don't want to live it anymore. It's going to happen one day. You'll see. Yeah, man. But the one thing that kind of like I don't like in the hospital is like respiratory secretions. Like I, I hate looking at phlegm. I could do bloods, yeah. guts. I could do shit, but that – like respiratory secretions, they're so disgusting. But I do like when I get a nice suction and you get that stuff out. Like I, I like it, but just so nasty, man. I can't do it. I always I gag every time. Is it, is it, hella, is it hella satisfying? You it know, is hella, hella satisfying. You get that one good suction that you've been working on. It's like dry at the end. It's so gross, but you're just like, damn, dude, I just got to breathe. Breathe, breathe, sir. You, you know, it's <laughs> funny. When I, did, when, I, when I did a contract in Kaiser, there's this one guy that when he was suctioning, it's like he was playing the freaking instrument, like a violin. Like this guy had so much passion pulling the inline suction to like get the secretions out. So if if you work at you, have you done a clinical in the ICU yet? No, not yet. So once once you do an uh, clinical in the ICU, you're gonna have an intubated patient, and you're gonna you're gonna realize what you do is you just kind of like you know put the suction down the whole tube, and yeah. then you just suction. And if there's like phlegm, like they'll feel better, you'll feel better. Like it's a whole experience and you're bonding with the patient in a crazy way how it sounds like, but you're just you're suctioning them out. And you're there. bonding with the patient. I love that. Technically, when you're suctioning, you're supposed to advance it all the way and then pull back and then suction. Right. Yeah. Proper proper nursing care because you don't want to like nick the trachea because if you keep hitting it, like it's going to start bleeding. Yeah. yeah. Pull back just a little bit. A little bit. That's, it's kind of funny. Um, off topic here, but we had a lot, few bleeds with um, inline suctions and people are like, oh yeah, yeah. We're... we're we're traumatizing it too much, but you know, the filters that you plug in for the oxygen, 
Sometimes they're broken and they'll, they'll go up to full settings. So how, I don't know how many, 300 milligrams of mercury. If you're suctioning your throat with that much, you're, you're creating such uh, vasoconstriction. You're creating yeah. trauma and, um, you know, bursting all those vessels. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Be careful. Damn, I'm learning out here too. That's awesome. I didn't know write that. that down, write that down in your notes, so don't forget. I, I, I will. Shoot. <laughs> and that's why, that, that's why hopefully, you know, nursing students will listen to us. And, you know, we try to give some good information for the most part. And some things we can't say a lot of things because we can't, um, like, swear. So that's why we're creating, like, a, you know, like a subsection for our podcast with yeah. just going to be straight Patreon contract uh, content. Peter, should we give up the name already? Nah, let's wait. Okay, wait. cool, yeah, man. Well, we, we, we have some cool yeah, stuff yeah. coming, man. Yeah. Look, look, if, when Peter smirks, you know something's up. Yeah? <laughs> and I mentioned that the previous uh, episode. It means I'm thinking. Well, what's the hardest part of nursing school for you? The, the hardest part? The hardest part. Well, like I said, a lot of people say it's like super hard and crazy. Um, I, I don't think like it's the hardest part. Just easy, huh? Um, Just like that. I mean, it's challenging, but it's not like uh, as what people make it to be, you know? Because like I have, I have friends in medical school and like they're going to town on studying and like, I don't, I don't know how to do that. Um, I would say the thing that's challenging <clears throat> that I've experienced so far is probably just uh, um, probably so far with this like COVID-19 because like cause now everything's up in the air of like, when am I going to do clinicals um, and like converting to online? And so that's kind of like a little bit hard because you're trying to like plan your life out, you know, because you expect to graduate. Like I expect to graduate next May, but now it's like, is that, is that still going to happen? So that's kind of like, kind of frustrating um and i wish like the board of registered nursing was like a little bit more slack during these times but um they're still pretty strict to their their rules and policies and stuff like that um I'm trying to give like a better answer though i'd probably just say like uh just being able to study there's a lot of content so towards the end of the semester i definitely feel a little bit burnt out with studying um i think the best way to do that is just kind of like uh portion out how much you do so I typically study about one to two hours a day uh, during the week and versus like cram like three, four days prior to the test. Um, and by the time like it's, it's almost test time, I already know the material. So now it's more so a review. Um, that's probably the hardest part is just staying motivated uh, to still study like constantly, especially during finals too. And then, so, so how do you study? Do you like we listen to lectures? Do you uh, read the book and take notes? Do you watch videos? Because what I used to do is I would record a lecture and I listen to it again on my way home, and then I listen to it again on the way to school. So like during my car rides, I listen to it. I would re, re um, replay the lectures, mm -hmm. and then the way I would study is I would just study with uh, like notes. So uh, typically with every class, if my teacher uses uh, powerpoints, I I print the powerpoints, bring them to class, and so that way when the teacher is lecturing, all I have to do is highlight the main points and then write down whatever she's verbally saying that's not in the powerpoint. Um, and then that day or the next day, I'll like go to a coffee shop and then I'll make flashcards off the PowerPoint. And I never read the textbook. I've never read a chapter so far in nursing school. And I, what I've noticed is a lot. What? It's like confessions. I know. <laughs> I spent like thousands of dollars on textbooks and I haven't even opened one. Is that some um, shit? That's crazy how that works. Books are so expensive. They even so yeah. started making like these, these just paper, not even like a hardback books, just paper and binders. Just so it's yeah. harder for you to sell to somebody else because it usually gets damaged during the semester. Yeah. hundred percent. Cause even if you, let's say you have, let's say you, like, let's say someone in the class above you gives you all their textbooks 
to get the access code to do all the online stuff is like damn near ex- almost the exact same price. And it's like, wow. Yeah. That's some shit, right? Yeah. Carpet uh, America. I know, right? And so, because well, I noticed a lot of teachers, like they, they say they go by the book, but they have their own, like, like I want you to focus more on this, what I'm trying to tell you guys. So that's why I never read the book. Cause it's, it's too much information to like, you look at one chapter, it's like 70 pages sometimes. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not reading this. And so I feel like I, I can just better focus my time on like the PowerPoints. Cause that's what the teacher wants you to learn and get out of the, out of the course. Um, I would say for pharmacology, that was probably the hardest course I took. And for that class, my teacher, uh, she did, uh, she recorded her zoom lectures. And so I would listen to those lectures like on my ride, uh, to like work to and from work. Cause it's like 40, 40 minutes sometimes. Um, but that's about it. I like my flashcards were so thick for pharmacology. It was insane. Um, so yeah, primarily flashcards and then for pharmacology, I definitely did some, uh, uh, audios too. Imagine having a teacher where he asks you questions like trick questions that are just specifically found in the book and you have those teachers and I had one, you know who you are. Um, but yeah, he, he, those teachers will give you like living hell, man, just to kind of, you know, test you to see if you actually like read um, textbooks. And yeah. um, regarding like recordings, some teachers will not allow you to record their lectures at all. So like if you recorded a voice recorder and you snuck it and you recorded it, that was like the gold in the, in the class and you're just spreading it and sending it to other people so they could like review it. That's yeah. like the little, that's like the little click we had like in nursing school. That's how we kind of like studied for lectures. We just each took turns recording um, our professor talk. Yeah. I've heard a lot of uh, community colleges in California where the teachers will make the students read and like very minimal PowerPoints. And it's like mostly off the, off the text. And I think that's like crazy. Like I'd probably fail that program. Yeah. Every teacher's different. You know, like my professor were pretty chill. I basically did uh, notes and PowerPoints and I was completely fine with really, really students lectures. And I, I passed, I mean, I didn't pass the highest grades, but also working a full-time job, but it's, it's whatever, but I'm, I, I'm a nurse. Not a Who, who's keeping track, right? Mm-hmm. I ain't talking right, shit. So I think we should wrap this one up. If um, you guys want to listen to more of Ben or check him out on Instagram, he is at student underscore nurse underscore Ben. Any closing thoughts, Ben? Uh, I think it was a phenomenal experience being on this podcast with you guys. I think it was very informative. And I think people who listen to this will definitely um, be uh, more educated on uh, maggots and deep suctioning now. <laughs> and also Take some freaking breath. solid work ethic, right? That's right. All righty, man. Thanks, we'll, we'll see you guys next week. Take care. All right. Take care, guys. So, guys.